welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. So last week, well, I guess over the last few weeks, we've been looking at, I guess, what it means to follow God. We started a few weeks ago talking about Moses and talking about the, the journey that he had to go from kind of this guy who was coming up with his own plans and figuring out his own way of doing things to learning how to trust and listen to the voice of God. And last week we began to talk about that, I guess, in a little bit of our New Testament context in terms of what it means for us as Christians to be followers of Jesus. Um, And we talked about how following Jesus means doing the things that he did, loving people the way that he did and and we talked about how he gave us this command to love others the way that he loved us and we looked at some things about what that means and the way that Jesus loved people. This morning I guess I sort of want to continue on a little bit, it's still in that vein of following Jesus and loving people but I don't know about you but sometimes when we talk about loving people it kind of can be a little bit overwhelming because there's a lot of people in the world today, isn't there? Something like seven and a half billion people or something. I can't love that many people. Uh, I don't have the capacity to love that many people. I'm not sure about you. Maybe you can. But it's not really a practical thing. And sometimes when we talk about this, this concept, this topic, it sort of is... It, it is such a big thing, it's such an overwhelming thing, it's such a thing that kind of looks like it's so difficult and impossible that what we really end up doing is nothing much at all. What we really end up doing is just loving the other people who love us just the same way that everybody else in the world is doing whether they know Jesus or not. Maybe that's just me, I don't know, maybe some of you are kind of identifying. Um, and so as I was thinking about this and kind of thinking about how do we make this, I guess, a little bit more practical, how do we make this something that's a little bit more achievable, something that's a little bit more realistic? Not that we're kind of trying to take the easy way out and not do what Jesus said or anything, but what does that actually look like? in in a way that we can do, in a way that doesn't intimidate us or discourage us or a way that we're not setting ourselves up for failure. And I feel like as I was was praying through this and and preparing during the week, I feel like God put put three things on my heart which are kind of almost like, I I feel like it's a bit of a, dare I say, prophetic outline for how we go about loving people. And so I want to share that with you this morning. And there are three, there are kind of three steps and three levels that we have. Number one is to pray for your city. Number two is to love your neighbours. And number three is to invite your one. I'm going to talk about each of those um, this morning. All right, so let's start with number one, praying for your city. Praying for this city of Wales. Most of us don't have the either the capacity or the calling to really think and act much bigger than that in re, in reality now, now that of course that doesn't mean that um, we don't care about our country of Australia or, or our home country where wherever that might be if you're from other parts of the world but I think just 
on a day-to-day kind of basis, the, for most of us who live here, this is kind of the, the scope of our day-to-day world, if you understand. Now, uh, when we talk about living out love like Jesus did, I think that our city is a great place to start. Now, the thing about our city of Wyala, where we live, is that we're connected. There, there are connections that we have across this city, isn't there? It's, it's the place where we see people, the people that we, we live with, we meet with, we work with, we play sport with, um, we have our social and recreational kind of activities uh, uh, here, our day-to-day stuff. And, and the thing is that the things that happen to our city here kind of are connected in. If, you're, if you live in another city and you're visiting this morning, you can apply this to the city where you live, all right? That's, that's cool. Um, but most of us who live here are, are at least, uh, to a reasonable degree, we're invested in what happens in our city. Now, we might be aware that we might not plan to be here forever. Um, there's all kinds of different seasons and things. You might have a, a sense of, you know, at some point you, you plan to move or go somewhere, Adelaide or interstate or wherever that might be. But for whatever reason, you are called to this city for this time or the city that you're in for this time. And God has put you here. Now, of course, I'm not saying don't pray for things that happen on a national scale or even on an international scale. Of course, we can pray for those things. But when it comes to this idea of, uh, of loving people, it's, it's kind of difficult to really do that in a practical way on, on a greater scale, on a, on a global level, isn't it? It's a big place. There's a lot of stuff going on. Now, we can, we can give to a charity that supports this or that or whatever, but it, it's kind of, it's, a, it's a just one step further removed, isn't it? We're just that little bit more disconnected. But it's a biblical concept to pray for our city. It, it is a good thing to pray for our city. When the Israelites um, were captives and Jer- Jeremiah was a guy who would receive messages from God and he would speak them to the people. And this is one of the things that God said through the prophet Jeremiah. He said, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Some of you might feel like living in Wyala is a bit like being in exile, but, but the Israelites were, were away from their home. They'd been taken captives and they, they were exiles in a foreign land. But God said to them, he said, pray for the place where you are. Don't just spend all your time just kind of wishing you were somewhere else. Pray for the prosperity and, and for the, the, the welfare of your city. He says, pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So how can we pray for our city? It's one thing to say, oh, you know, God bless Wyala, but we need to be a little bit more specific and a little bit more intentional if we want to actually even be able to tell when God has answered our prayers. Don't we? Yeah? So here's a few suggestions of some ways that we can pray for our city. Firstly, number one, pray for people who don't know Jesus. Pray for unbelievers in our city. Pray that people will come to know Christ. Uh, Matthew chapter 9 says, we're talking about Jesus and saying, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. How many of you know that the harvest field of people who are lost like sheep without a shepherd in our city is great? There's a lot of people who are lost and broken and hurting. There's a lot of people who don't know the good shepherd. There's a lot of people who don't know that there's a God who loves them. So he says, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. But here's one of the things I have to caution you. When you pray for God to send out workers into the harvest, you might just have to be prepared to be an answer to prayer. (laughs) It's one of those things, isn't it? Pray for unbelievers. Pray for churches. Not just our church, but pray for all of our churches in Wyala. There's some great churches here in Wyala. I have some great friends who are pastors and members of other churches in Wyala who love Jesus, who are passionate about doing good and serving, um, loving God and loving people in our city of Wyala. Pray for unity between churches. Pray for protection and strength. For, for our churches. Pray for the things that they're doing. Pray for the pastors and the leaders. Pray for our churches. Uh, number three, pray for families. How many of you know that families are under attack in our world today? There's this constant kind of almost sense of bombardment that says uh, families don't matter, marriages don't matter. Pray for strong healthy marriages with Christ at the center pray for people to to stay together pray for families pray for parents to love their kids and for kids to be protected Uh, number four pray for those who serve there are a lot of people in our city that do essentially what I would kind of call jobs that are involved serving other people. You think about frontline health workers, emergency services, police, our, our counsellors, uh, our leaders. First uh, Timothy chapter 2 tells us, it says, I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. We did this last week, didn't we? We prayed for our new government in South Australia on this this base. Do you know what it doesn't say there? It doesn't say, pray to God that those ungodly heathens will fail miserably and fall in a big heap and someone else will replace them. It doesn't say that, does it? It also doesn't say, pray that those leaders and people in authority would do things the way that you think they should be done doesn't say that does it sometimes we're tempted to pray that way sometimes we pray sometimes we're tempted to pray you know you know god pray that they do the right thing and they you know do this because that's my value pray according to our value we pray that other people would have our values don't we what does it say it says ask god to help them intercede on their behalf which is like standing in the gap and praying to God for them 
and it says, give thanks for them. Now, there are a lot of leaders and people in authority, both in our city and in our country, that have values that are different to ours, aren't there? Because, essentially, because we have politicians and leaders and people that sort of cover the whole spectrum of values, and so the, the odds are that some of them are going to be different to us. But it says, give thanks for them. Sometimes it's hard to give thanks for some of our politicians, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to be thankful for them. But Jesus says, give thanks. Now, when we pray for our leaders, when we pray for our city, when we pray for families and all these kinds of things, I want to encourage you, don't just kind of like pray once and then think, right, done that now, what's next? Sometimes that's our temptation, isn't it? Covered it, done it, prayed it. Pastor Caleb said, pray this, so I prayed it. Right now, I can move on with my life. Like, can I encourage you to make this a part of your regular schedule? Wyala is not going to change or be transformed by the power of God because you prayed once on a Sunday afternoon because Pastor Caleb told you to. I'm sorry. I know that's disappointing. It would be wonderful if it worked out that way. But it's not going to happen. We need to, have a, to, to build this into our everyday relation, relational life with Jesus, as we're following Jesus, as we're praying for the, the welfare of our city, as we're praying for God to move in our city, make it a part of your everyday prayer life. Number two, so that was number one, pray for your city. That's kind of like the, the big Wayala kind of, as we begin to build that attitude of love towards people, number one is to pray for our city of Whaler. Number two is to love your neighbour. All right, so who is my neighbour? We know that this question was asked of Jesus, don't we? Jesus kind of, we, we, I touched on this a little bit last week, if you were here last week, um, we talked about this a little bit, but Jesus answered with a story. Uh, and we read that in Luke 10. I want to just read it quickly, even though it's probably familiar for a great many of us. But it says, Jesus replied with a story because this is his answer he says a jewish man was traveling from jerusalem down to jericho and he was attacked by bandits they stripped him of his clothes beat him up and left him half dead beside the road by chance a priest came along but when he saw the man lying there he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there but he also passed by on the other side Then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Uh, Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. I don't know about you, but I've, I've probably read that story a hundred times. And most of the time when I read that story, there's kind of a part of me that freaks out a little bit part of me that freaks out 
uh, and you know, I, I get convicted, yeah. Um, but I also feel like it's just beyond me. I feel like that kind of situation just... I, I don't know if I could do that in that situation. Not that I wouldn't want to. I don't know if I have the resources. I'm not really wired that way or there's, there's all kinds of things within me that kind of freak out at that story. The good news is that you're probably not going to have to um, do what the Samaritan in the story says. You're probably not going to find someone who's been beaten up and left half dead on the side of the road and take them and go and pay for them to stay in a motel somewhere or something like that. We have a wonderful healthcare system. Um, (laughs) But I think the thing that I come back to and the thing that I think is the the, the principle that Jesus is trying to communicate in this story is that it doesn't matter if you've got a lot or a little as long as you're willing to do what you can to help somebody. Maybe in today's world, in Wyala, it might mean, you know, if we did see someone who was hurt or, or injured, that we ring an ambulance and wait with them and kind of make sure they're okay until the ambulance arrives and see them off safely um, to the hospital even though you know maybe you're running late for work and you you feel like you're going to get in trouble with your boss or whatever the case might be but going out of your way this is part of the story wasn't it that this Samaritan was obviously going somewhere just like the other guys were this was not you know he didn't have all the time in the world he, he had a purpose he had a destination and this was a an inconvenience it was time out and sometimes it's that question of are we willing to be inconvenienced to, to mess up our schedule to help somebody. Maybe it means speaking up when we see someone being bullied or treated unfairly instead of just kind of turning a blind eye and hoping that they don't notice us so that we don't become sort of the target. Maybe it means offering to give someone a, a lift in your car when they don't have any transportation, even if it means going all the way to the other end of town uh, when you weren't going that way. Maybe it means choosing to be gracious and kind to someone when they really um, don't deserve it. Maybe it means when someone is saying, you know, spreading rumours or saying things that are hurtful about us to other people, choosing not to do the same, not to repay evil for evil as Jesus talked about, but to do good. Even though there are probably plenty of things about that person that I could tell you, oh boy, I could tell you some stories about that person. They're no angel. It means thinking about what we might do if we remembered that Jesus was walking alongside us in that moment. How would we respond if we remembered that Jesus was watching? Those that come across your path are not there by accident. I absolutely believe that God brings people across our path who need encouragement, who need building up, who need kindness, who need compassion, who need help sometimes. When you see someone in need and do nothing, even though you have the resources and the capacity to help them, what does that say about us? What does that say about our relationship with God? 
James, the, the brother of Jesus, asked us this same question. James chapter 2, uh, verse 14 and 16, it says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a great day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Now you might say, well, I don't see a lot of people who don't have clothing or I don't know of a lot of people that don't have food. We have, you know, unemployment benefits and all that kind of stuff these days. So do I really need to do that? Now, that, that may be true. There may not be a lot of those situations that are coming across your path every day and maybe you don't have the resources to provide that kind of support. But sometimes I think if we have that mindset of just kind of, you know, it, it, it's great to be, have open eyes and be willing and looking for opportunities when people come across our path that need help. But I think there's also a sense in which we need to be intentional about doing good to our brothers and sisters and not just kind of sitting back and waiting until God slaps us and says, hey, go and do that. I would suggest that there's people in your life, your family, your workplace, people that you spend time with every day of the week that need encouragement, that need kindness, that need compassion that need understanding. So this second level, our neighbours, can I encourage us maybe to bring it down to this level of our circle, a circle of people that we interact with regularly. Be intentional about loving our co-workers, loving our family members, loving our friends, loving our brothers and sisters that are part of our church family the people that you interact with regularly. Start with being intentional with them. People that aren't going to take out a restraining order if you just sort of do some sort of random act of kindness or, you know, something as, as <laughs> to, to bless them one day. Show kindness, be deliberate, be intentional. Don't wait for inspiration, just do something. Love your neighbours. Pray for your city. Love your neighbours. So we've got this level one, Wyala. Level two is your circle, the people that you interact with regularly. And number three, invite your one. Who is one person that you can be intentional about sharing Christ with? One person that you are aware doesn't know Christ. Maybe somebody comes to mind straight away for you that's fantastic if not that's okay just spend some time and um, ask the Holy Spirit to help you identify who that person is look for opportunities to start having some conversations showing kindness um, doing good encouraging building up sharing Jesus with that person Romans chapter 1, Paul's writing and he says, I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, 
saving everyone who believes, first the Jew and then also the Gentile. We see this in the life of Jesus, don't we? We see Jesus preaching to multitudes and crowds on the hillside, but we also see him walking down the street and having a conversation with an individual person. Guys like blind Bartimaeus who jumped up and said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, all right. You know, there's this huge crowd all around him, but Jesus stops and has this one-on-one conversation. All these people were clamoring for his attention and Jesus is on the way. He's he's traveling, he's on the road, uh, he's outside the city. They've just started their journey and suddenly there's this interruption and Jesus stops and has this conversation with this one guy. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Of course, he's, he's blind, so he says, oh, I want to be able to see. Jesus heals him. Amazing story. But the, the, the Gospels are full of stories of Jesus kind of encountering and having these one-on-one conversations just with individual people, going out of his way at times. There's a story about, he, you know, he got in a boat and he crossed the lake and he went to this kind of graveyard because there was a, a crazy guy there who was full of demonic spirits. And Jesus went across the lake just to visit that guy. We talked about Zacchaeus last week. There's this huge crowd of people following Jesus. He comes into the city and Jesus talks to this one guy. and says, you know, come into your house, come out of the tree. We could go on, the woman at the well, the woman with the bleeding issue, again and again and again, you know, Jairus, the, the, the guy from the Sanhedrin. And, um, there's all these kind of people that Jesus, we read these one-on-one encounters and, and, and Jesus called them to follow Jesus called them he preached he healed the sick he did all kinds of things but he also called people to come and follow and Jesus commanded us to also make disciples to call other people to be Jesus followers now most of us here probably aren't really you know fantastically gifted evangelists and oh I'm certainly not but if we all kind of had this, this goal, this intention, this, this kind of mindset of going, I'm going to focus on getting to know, you know, one person with the intention of sharing Jesus with that person, however long it takes, and I'm going to pray for them, I'm going I'm to love them, I'm going to talk about Jesus with them, I'm going to do whatever it takes. What would our church look like after a couple of years? Matthew 28, most of us are familiar with this, this kind of final words that Matthew recalls Jesus saying to his disciples. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What is Jesus saying? Sometimes we kind of read that and we think, well, when I know enough about the Bible, when I understand enough about God, then I'll be able to do that. The problem with that is that we never really feel like we've got there, have we? I think what Jesus is really kind of saying is, you know, pass on what you've learned to somebody else. You you don't have to have learned everything, but what you have learned, share that with someone else. 
doesn't mean we kind of go, well, I'm the mentor and you're the student, I'm the teacher and you're the student, so I'm going to disciple you and, you know, I'm going to teach you all these things because you're a, you're a, a know-nothing dummy. That's a bit of a prideful kind of approach to it, isn't it? I, I think of it more, and, and I think, you know, what turns people off more than being called a, a know-nothing dummy? You know, <laughs> it's a bit of a turn-off, isn't it? I, I generally tend not to respond very well to that. I don't know about you. But I think we can, instead of trying to come at that with that sort of teacher-student mentality, which not only um, it either fills us with pride or we disqualify ourselves because we don't feel like we know enough to be in that position, think of it like two students of the same school sharing their homework notes. Hey, here's what I learned. What did you learn? You know, here's, here's what I've discovered. You know, let me share something with you. Be intentional about sharing what you've learned. I would be pretty confident in saying that all of you have learned something about Jesus. Would that be fair? We've all learned something? Excellent. If you haven't, come and talk to me afterwards and I'll talk to you about listening more and paying more attention during the sermon on Sunday mornings. <laughs> but be intentional about sharing what you do know and know that Jesus is helping you to do it. You know, it wasn't an accident that when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the world, that he ended that with, and know that I am with you until the end of the age. Jesus says, share what you know, share what you've learned about me and know that I will be there with you, helping you do it while you do it. Now, can I just take one second? I just want to be really practical for a second. Unless this, uh, this is a, when we talk about inviting your one and spending time with your one, unless this is a family member, can we be wise about spending time with a member of the opposite gender? Don't use this as an excuse to start a romantic relationship if you're single. Don't allow this, if you're married, don't allow this to put you in a, a position where you compromise your integrity by spending an inappropriate amount of time with a member of the opposite gender. Okay, let, let's just be wise. I just wanted to put that out there. I know that you're all very wise and whatever, but I just want to be really clear. I want to kind of put that out there. I want to say, let's be wise about how we do this. Of course, that's, I, I'm assuming that you're all going to kind of start thinking about this and, and working towards doing it, all right? Don't give the enemy any uh, opportunities to weaken your relationship with your spouse if you have one. Be wise. All right, so invite your one. Focus on one at a time. Pray for them. Get to know them. Get a sense of what Jesus is wanting to do in that person's life. Get a sense of what things they're going through and start, you know, offer to pray with them about that stuff. What are their struggles? What are their challenges? What are they wrestling with? What are they dealing with? Work out how you can encourage them and how you can pray for them. Invite them into a relationship with Jesus and then invite them into a relationship with Jesus' people. Invite them into, or that's the church in case you were wondering. Be conscious of the fact that when we invite someone to church, we're not just inviting them to an event, we're not just inviting them to a meeting, 
We're offering them a place in our community of people. People might appreciate what you do. As you start to do this, as you start to show kindness and do good, people might appreciate and think you're a really nice kind of person, but they won't necessarily automatically assume that you are inviting them into a community of people. So can I encourage you to be conscious of that and talk to them about that? All right, as we close, so, so we had praying for our city, kind of that big first level. We had our circle of people loving your neighbours, and then we had the one. One person that the Holy Spirit leads you to, to begin to be intentional about working towards sharing your faith and inviting them into this community of believers, this community of people into Jesus' family. Wouldn't this transform our church? Wouldn't this transform our city? If we lived this way, I think Jesus would get bigger in our city. Jesus would get bigger in our church. But the thing is, if this is just a sermon and we go home and we go, yeah, that was great, then nothing changes, does it? This is not something that I or any other individual person can, can make happen. This is something that you have to choose, that we have to choose together. This is something that I want to encourage you to go home from here and, and wrestle with this and ask the Holy Spirit to begin to show you how do I do this in my life, Holy Spirit? Who are the people that you're wanting me to connect with? How, what are the things that you're wanting me to do? Because we, we need to be led by Him, don't we? I don't have all the answers. I can't change the world. I can't change Wyala or I can't even grow this church. Thankfully, that's not my job. <laughs> it's Jesus. Jesus can do it. All I have to do is keep following Him. All you've got to do is keep following him. Go where he goes, do what he does, listen to his voice. Can we pray? Let's pray as the, our music team come back to close us out today. Father, I guess this message that um, you've brought to us today is one that's easy to say but is hard to live. Lord, it's our desire to be faithful as we follow you. Sometimes it can be really overwhelming and it can seem like the problems are too many and the task is too big and we can be discouraged. And right now, Lord, I just want to pray for every person who has become discouraged or has become disheartened because... They've, they've tried to do this and it seemed like it's been fruitless. Lord, right now as we're just listening to you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to, to revive the hope in each one of us. Put a new desire, put a fresh um, passion and excitement for following Jesus. 
praying for our city, loving our neighbours, sharing the love of Jesus and inviting the one. Lord, we thank you that in it all, you have promised to be with us. Lord, sometimes I'm as guilty as anyone of forgetting that, feeling like I've got to do it in my strength. I've got to have the right knowledge. I've got to be wise. I've got to say the right things and do the right things. But Lord, you promise to lead us and guide us. You challenge us and you call us to step out and to follow, to go where you go, to do what you do, to follow your example. Lord, I pray that each one of us, as, as we wrestle with this, as we spend time with you and as we desire to hear your voice and your plans and your purposes and your, your guiding for us, Lord, that we would make that choice every day as we get up to listen and follow you. Lord, that's our, that's our heart. Our heart is to see our church grow. Our heart is to see our city transformed. Our heart is to see the name of Jesus made bigger in our, in our world. God, you call us to follow and to invite others to follow as well. Lord, would you help us? Would you give us that boldness? Would you give us wisdom as we do that? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church.